Army veteran Drew Haney was a paratrooper and army logistician and used his leadership skills he learned as an army officer to build a land investing business and quit his day job in only one year. Up next, I'm Veteran on the Move. Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. Have you tried Navy Federal's car buying experience? I highly recommend it. You won't have a better car buying experience. Check them out at NavyFederal.org slash carbine. All right. Today we're talking with Army veteran Drew Haney. We're going to be talking about flipping vacant land before we get started with all that. Drew, you're still in the reserves, but tell us what you did in the Army when you're active duty and what you're doing now. Uh, hey, Joe. Thanks for having me. Um, so I commissioned out of ROTC. I had a four-year scholarship. I was commissioned as a logistics officer, uh, went to Fort Bragg, spent a lot of time in the 82nd Airborne as a paratrooper. Um, I mostly supported artillery, triple sevens and high Mars. Um, I was an augmentee for USASAC for a little bit, went to the career course. Um, once I got promoted to captain and then spent a year in Korea, got out, spent two years in the inactive reserves, which is essentially a list mm-hmm. in case uh, world war three happens. Mm-hmm. And then I joined the, the active reserves two years after that. Currently, I'm a company commander. Um, I just got picked up for a promotion to major, so I will be transitioning to a new role very soon. Awesome! Congratulations. So, when you were when you're on active duty, um, did you have this entrepreneurial bug in you? Did you did you play around with any side hustles while you were still active duty? Um, I did. Um, it's kind of sad how I got into it. So. Um, I had a, a company commander. I was a lieutenant. Um, the company commander was was um, just a very unpleasant boss to work for. So I actually I went home one night and I googled how to make money without a boss. And um, We've all so all these that. you know all these things pop up. So I just started trying stuff, and some stuff worked, and some stuff didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I caught the bug. I started doing audiobooks, podcasts. Um, just in my commute to Fort Bragg, I did 52 books in one year, um, just from commuting. So it's, it's been a fun journey. I'm excited to be on it. Yeah. Like I, I, you know, back when I was doing the commute to work every day, I started with audio tapes and then graduated to audio CDs. And I was just going through those things at the cyclic rate. And then the iPod came along and then podcast came along. I'd, I'd spend the whole weekend downloading podcasts onto my computer at home and then transferring it from my computer over to the iPod, which was just a horrible lengthy process. I'd have to spend the whole weekend doing it to have them all loaded up, ready to go by Monday morning. And then I'd burn through whatever ones I had downloaded by, by Friday and I had to you know, record, you know, load them all up again. That's kind of what how I found love with podcasting and you know, long story short, here we are. And now you just click a button. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Like oh, back in the old 5G days, everywhere. You know? <laughs> back in the old days. Yeah, I know. And you can even, you can even stream them on an airplane. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. Hey, so um, 
All right. So talk about, uh, you start getting that, how do I make money without a boss itch? I mean, that's kind of where it all starts. We've all Googled that and had that experience. What kind of, th- and the audio books and, and the podcasts and everything, I mean, you can really reinvent yourself and totally change your mindset by listening to some of that stuff. And, um, you know, highly recommended the more knowledge you can soak up and, and attain, especially while you're still in or still on active duty, the better off you'll be. As you, as you got closer to, to leave an active duty, how did you come off active duty and what was your transition like? I mean, were you fully prepared or did it come as a surprise? Um, so, so go back to the audiobooks. Um, the first ones I recommend to anybody are just foundational ones. So, you know, how to win friends and influence people. Uh, the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss, mm-hmm. just, just a lot of the basics, rich dad, poor dad, just to build your mindset, change, change your way of thinking. Um, cause really any business model can work. It's just, it's just dependent on the person executing that business model. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the projects I was trying as a senior Lieutenant junior captain was day trading. So I'd wake up at 3am. Um, I day trade the open, um, I did futures and currencies mostly. Um, and during that, I realized I was not successful. So I wasn't losing a ton of money. I wasn't making a ton of money. And I thought to myself, um, I need more time to do this. So the logical conclusion was I need to leave active duty and just day trade full time. <laughs> so I actually, we stayed in Korea, my wife and I, we stayed in Korea as civilians um, with a very low cost of living. She was a professor at at a university and, um, I day traded for two years. Really? Did you finally start making money when you put more time into it? No. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, um, this is all part of a journey. Um, right after, so I finally decided to throw in the towel right after the flash crash of March of 2020, the COVID flash crash. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost an insane amount of money in a, like a 12 hour period. And I said, you know, this is not working. I need to, I need to go back to real life, get a real job. Um, and so I stopped. And then right after I stopped the Academy, I'm not going to name the name, but the Academy that taught me how to trade was sued by the federal government, the FTC for teaching basically promising that you're going to be successful and then teaching really vanilla information. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of, it made me feel nice that I wasn't really the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, that foundation of understanding how money works uh, was really helpful for transferring to real estate and just understanding supply and demand at a very fundamental level. Yeah. So did you get in after the day trading? Did you go back and get the, get the day job and then uh, give up on the entrepreneurial pursuits or did you, what did you go to next? I did. So it was a little bit of a dark time. I, <laughs> I thought to myself, okay, I just, I just go to work every day, sit in my cubicle. Um, so I started working for a great company. I still talk to my old boss to this day um, as an internal auditor. It was a finance company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, this is all during COVID. Um, COVID had just started. And um, I found that as an auditor, you essentially, I was an internal auditor. So essentially I got a batch of homework 
uh, every three weeks. It was, it was a stack of work to do. Mm-hmm. And I found I could, um, really hustle and get three weeks worth of work done in one week. So then I would have two weeks free. And that's when I started the land business. Um, yeah. So, so you kind of took that four hour work week mentality and put it to use. I'm like, I can get all my work done here and have all this extra time. Right. And I was also in, in the reserves at that time. And, um, as an officer and, and senior NCO, you're often typically pretty busy in the reserves. So oh, yeah. it's definitely a bit, very busy season. Um, so I did the land business and the auditing both for a year. Mm-hmm. And then I left the auditing job about a year ago, uh, almost to the day. Hey, so, um, you know, I experienced this somewhat when I was still on active duty and, um, even in, even in the reserves at one point, especially as, as a, as a leader, if you're a staff NCO and officer, what, what was that? Did you fight that delicate balance of I'm, I'm running some business on the side and I don't want most people to know about it because you don't know how the boss is going to react. And you don't, you don't want your, you don't want your people thinking you're not all in with the mission because you got a side business going. I mean, the reserves are much more understanding than that because pretty much everybody has a day job. Um, but on active duty, that's not really the case. So, yeah. Um, so you just have to feel out your boss and your boss's boss. Um, I would be transparent if there's room for it. Um, and if, if there's downtime, I think any boss would want you to better yourself. Right. So, um, there's, I don't know what you guys do in the Marines, but in the army, we have something called staff duty Mm -hmm. where essentially you're up all night, um, making sure nobody dies, nothing, get stolen. Yeah. Like, and so staff duty there's officer, an ins- yeah. yeah, there's a, an insane amount of time that, um, most soldiers have available to them that could be used wisely. Right. And then most soldiers are young. Um, a lot of them don't have families. And so that five to nine, you know, the 1700 to 2100, instead of drinking beer and playing video games every night, they can, you know, spend that time bettering themselves as well. Absolutely. I, I, you just never know when you're going to get that boss or whatever. Cause I remember at one point I was like, one of my collateral duties was like the education officer in the operations shop. And I had it all, I had it all worked out that it was in a squadron. We were going to have this, this FAA designator come into our, our maintenance shop and help and do some classes and help a lot of our flight line guys and maintenance guys get their A&P certificate while they were still on active duty. And the operations officer caught wind of it. I, I still remember him saying, wait a minute, you mean to tell me we're going to have somebody come in, help our guys get an A&P certificate so that they can get a better job when they get out? And I said, yes, sir, that's exactly right. He's like, we're not doing that. <laughs> of course, it was, way, it, was, it was a long time ago before we have all this emphasis on successful transition and all that. But I just remember that, that, that still just really does not sit well with me. So you never know. Sometimes you can, if you're on active duty, you do have to be uh, delicate with that. So, so you got interested in the land business, land flipping, land investing. Talk about what your initial uh, discovery of that, of that niche was and how you got into it. Um, so at Fort Bragg, I was single. I was living in a, a bachelor pad right outside the gate. And it was me and a few West Pointers um, smart guys, Ranger tab, special forces, 
um, super competent guys. Um, one of them was doing um, land investing already. Mm-hmm. And so after I uh, threw in the towel with day trading, I was finally open to, he had told me about it years ago, but I was finally open to trying something new. And that's when um, I picked it up and started doing some deals. Cool. All right. Well, hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. When you become a member of Navy Federal Credit Union, life gets better. We've bought a lot of cars over the years, and I can tell you, Navy Federal's car buying experience is the best experience I've had. They've created a fully loaded car buying experience. You can finance, buy, protect, and enjoy your auto purchase all from one convenient place. They have pre-approval. It's good for 90 days, so you know what you can afford while you shop. They offer great auto loan rates. You can shop for new and used cars with Navy Federal's car buying service powered by True Car. You can also get exclusive member savings with Carfax, SiriusXM, and more. They're always available with 24-7 member service representatives to answer any questions. Learn more at NavyFederal.org slash carbine. Credit and collateral subject to approval. Navy Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. All right, back talking with Army veteran Drew Haney. Talk about land flipping and uh, flipping vacant land. So, so Drew, you're, you've got a couple of roommates. One of them's already in the land business. Um, I was talking over the break that like, there's no better way than to get into entrepreneurship or starting your own business. If, if you personally know somebody that's already doing what you want to do. I mean, that's one bit of advice I would give anybody is if you can find a guide dog or a mentor that's already find somebody who's already doing what you think you want to do and have them mentor you and pull you in and, and, and teach you how things go. There's no better, no better way to get started than that. So talk a little bit about how you got started in the land flipping business and um, what your initial success was. Um, so I went through a, an education course is group coaching. Um, and one on week three, they make you go out and buy a parcel from another investor. So that kind of forces you to jump in with both feet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would recommend finding whatever space you want to be in, finding somebody who's ahead of you and, and uh, spending as much time with them as possible, getting their advice. And for me, that was the, the roommate at Fort Bragg which at this time was, that was almost 10 years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, but just surround yourself with people who are trying to better themselves. And, you know, there's that saying, you're the sum of the top five people you hang out with. Um, so I think that's definitely important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes with the group coaching or you get into a mastermind, a mastermind that maybe focuses specifically on something like investing in land or a real estate mastermind, you get into those group coaching mastermind groups, you quickly meet a few people, a few key people that are in these groups and you start developing offshoot friendships or offshoot groups of the one of maybe the paid training that you're involved in. And I've found over the years, though, those individuals, I mean, that's actually how you and I know each other. We were involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were, in, we were in the same uh, land group and uh, started chatting with each other, realized there was a military connection and you know, here we are on the podcast. So there, there's, it's a great way to meet people. If, if nothing, if the train, the, the training's always good, right. You have right. to execute, you have to execute on the training. You know, yep. a lot of times people are just, uh, 
they're just, you know, court addicted to courses, but they never take action on anything. So, um, and sometimes taking a course, make you realize, you know what, that's not really what I want to do. And so the money's yep. not wasted. It actually probably saved you a whole lot of time and money by getting to the decision point of that's not what I want to do. Um, so there's a lot of great courses out there, but, um, so you actually went, you, you were in a group coaching and you actually went out and bought your first parcel. What happened after that? Like it was once you did one, were you just ready to go? Um, I had a bit of a slow start because I wasn't willing to pour money into advertising. Mm -hmm. So marketing on the sell side. Um, so it was a bit slow in my first six months. I think I only did three deals, but then the next six months after that, um, it was pretty crazy. I think I did maybe 45 to 50 deals. Mm -hmm. Um, and since then it's only been increasing. So what I do is, is, um, it's kind of a cool business model. It's one where, um, everyone wins. So I essentially buy, um, vacant land. Usually it's in rural areas and I buy it from people who don't want it anymore. Maybe they inherited it. Maybe they live far away. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're tired of paying the taxes or HOA fees. I buy it from people who don't want it. And then I sell it to people who mm -hmm. do want it. And typically I sell it at a fairly steep discount. So it's a model where um, the first guy gets a problem taken away from him. And then the guy who buys it gets it, gets a great deal as well. Yeah. So talk through, like if somebody's interested in getting started in land flipping, you know, there's, there's some courses out there that most people probably recommend. Um, fi find a mentor if you can, or if you can't, which most of us probably don't know somebody that's already in the land flipping business, but what kind of courses would you recommend? Um, or, or how about, let's start with podcasts first. What kind of podcasts do you still listen to in regards to the land flipping business? So there's a lot out there. Um, probably the highest quality one I would recommend is RE Tipster. Mm -hmm. So capital R, capital E, Tipster. Um, and then for coaching. So I've actually been through three different courses. Um, they're all group coaching and um, I have a colleague, he does one-on-one -on -one coaching and he actually will coach you unlimited until you find your first deal. Mm -hmm. And, um, his name is Jaron Barnes. You can Google Jaron Barnes coaching and find him. Um, and then for, for on the, on the sell side, there's two ways to sell land. Um, there's to sell it cash or you sell it with owner financing. Mm -hmm. And so, there's different coaches that will focus on different things. Um, but I would recommend do some paid training first. And then in that paid training, you're going to start to network and then you're going to meet with colleagues uh, for free. So I'm in two to three other masterminds where no money is exchanged. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a great exchange of information, but I had to, I had to pay to get in first. Right. Right. And then once you pay to get in, you start getting results. People want to talk to to you, you started exchanging ideas. So somebody that might still be in the military or has never been to, you know, been involved in a paid mastermind or, or a paid group coaching call, 
how do you get somebody past the concept of paying for training? I mean, because here's what happens in the military a lot. Everything, everything you've ever been given in the military has been given to you for free. And so we have a number of veteran entrepreneurship organizations I've been involved with over the years, a lot of times, especially veterans and they get out, they don't want to pay for anything. I mean, yeah, none of us are rich coming out of the military by any means, but even paying 500 or a thousand or a couple of thousand bucks to take some course or get involved in something. And there's a lot of scams out there, of course, but military people don't like paying for anything because they're used to getting everything handed to them right. for free. And yeah. so you really, you know, talk through that about getting over that, that mindset of everything's free and I'm not paying to learn how to do this. I think, I think it's a whole lifestyle change. So you cut the beer, cut the video games, stop buying boats and Mustangs with 32% interest. <laughs> um, and then start risking your money on small bets, right? So have an idea, throw a thousand bucks at it. Once you do that five to 10 times, um, spending money on, on education is, you know, it's no different. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was, it was fairly easy. The risk made sense. So for my day trading, I, I spent like 50 grand on trading education. And this was, this was money that I had saved. Um, you know, I lived with roommates, mm-hmm. I lived in, on top of people's attics. Um, so, so spending 50 grand, spending five years developing a skill set that ultimately wasn't fruitful, um, really prepped me to have very high risk tolerance. So the, the group coaching I did, I think it was $9,000, the first one. Mm-hmm. And that seemed very reasonable especially since I already had a friend who had been doing it for three years successfully. Yeah. And what, what's the difference between your friend who's already doing the business, teaching it to you versus paying for group coaching? Cause there's, there's a limit to how much you can bother a person, right? Sure. For free advice. Yeah. Um, so I, I used him a lot. I would text him. He would help me out, but he, you know, he doesn't have a curriculum built out. Um, so unless you're, you know, you're living with somebody or you have access to them every single day, it's a little tough. Yeah. I've noticed that like sometimes everybody's willing to help and people always feel honored when you say, Hey, will you be my mentor? But some people don't know how to mentor. Some people don't know how to coach or train people and they're taking time away from their normal activities to like train you and texting right. and random emails and stuff gets old with them after a while. It's not, it's not a formalized structured arrangement. Right. Um, whereas group coaching, you know, those, those people are getting paid to be there and to show you, show you the way and to answer right. your questions. So it's right. great if you can have a friend, but it's, it's gotta be a special kind of friend for it to really work much beyond maybe an in, initial introduction. Right. And with Jaron, you get one-on-one support. Um, so the, the way to think of a mentor, they're not, you're not an apprentice to them, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're just there to point you in the right direction. You still have to walk to walk yourself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And having uh, gotten involved in the land flipping business myself, it's, you, you do need access to somebody that knows what they're doing once in a while, because it, you're, you're going through uncharted territory, uh, at least for yourself. 
Um, and sometimes you need some, you need somebody to tell you to stop or tell you to go or turn left or turn right. So it, it becomes very beneficial. And when you're doing land businesses, land, land deals, um, you could be talking about a 10 or 20, $30,000 land deal. So a few thousand dollars as far as coaching or help you help or assistance can be more than worth it for even on one deal. Um, right. So take, talk us through the structure of doing a land deal. Like a lot of people, most people understand the concept of house flipping, but right. What right. is, what is flipping land look like? And, and why does land flipping work so well versus flipping houses? With land, there's no termites, toilets, tenants, right? Um, so most land deals, there's three sources that we get them from. It's either through text campaigns, direct mail campaigns, or auctions. Mm-hmm. And each one has its pros and cons. Um, so you're interacting with the seller leads, people who want to sell their land to you. And then there's negotiation period for bigger ones. You'll bring it through title, smaller ones. You'll, you'll do self-closing typically, mm-hmm. and then you own it. And then, um, you, you take photos and then you immediately resell it, um, and list it. Some sell it in as quick as a, one day, others take over a year. And so my compensation so I'm the middleman, you know, I, I keep between what I bought for what I, and what I sold it for. That's mine to keep minus what I pay my employees. Mm-hmm. Um, my compensation is because I'm holding the risk and I'm providing liquidity to an illiquid market because mm-hmm. most parcels under 50 grand realtors don't want to get involved. Title companies, their fees don't make sense. Um, so I'm the liquidity. I'm the buyer on the front step with check in hand and uh, I can move very fast. So typically I can buy a parcel. Mm-hmm. If I'm doing self-closing, I could buy a parcel in less than uh, two weeks typically. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's definitely a, a different business model than house flipping, but a little bit similar concept. Well, the other thing about vacant land is you typically, you can't get a mortgage for vacant land. I mean, Maybe if you're buying a couple hundred acres and it also had a house on it. Um, But if it's just vacant land, most mortgage companies, especially at the lower end, aren't going to loan any kind of money on vacant land. And if they do, it would probably be, I don't know. Can you get a mortgage on a, on a three acre plot of vacant land? Like just a straight up mortgage. Sometimes you can do a a bridge loan or a building loan because you're going to put a house on it or something like that. But if you're just buying, if you're just buying 20 acres of hunting property somewhere, most mortgage yeah, companies or really. banks aren't going to give you any money for that. Right. And if they do, the the interest rate will be pretty high because um, it's not an income income producing asset and you're yeah. not living in it. And, um, and like the most you might get is maybe like 50% of the value. Like you're still going to have to have half cash and half right. mortgage or I'm not even sure what, what you could really get out of it. For the most part, you won't be able to get anything, but... So, yeah. So for owner, that's why I saw an owner financing. So on a lot of my smaller ones, people pay as little as, um, 500 down plus 250 dock fee. Mm-hmm. And then they can start using the land. Um, they can't build on it, but they can start enjoying it, go out, shoot their guns, ride their dirt bikes. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's makes it affordable to almost anybody. And then the monthly payment will any, be anywhere from a hundred bucks a month up to, up to a thousand. Yeah. 
So you've got, so there's two different deals. You actually flip the land and then sell it to another buyer or you offer owner financing to somebody and then you hold the note uh, on the yep. land. And right. so like what percent, you know, typically what's this, what's the breakdown of how often, you know, how often do you, you know, how many, how many land sell deals cash versus notes? Yeah. What's the ratio yeah. that you got? So it's about um, 50, 50 for me right now. Mm-hmm. So um, I've probably done maybe 150 deals round trip. And I probably have, uh, you know, I haven't counted in a while. I probably have like 70 notes or something. Mm-hmm. So you've done about 150 deals and about 70 of them are still, you're still holding notes on or had notes on them at one point. Uh-huh. Yep. Wow. And they, I have software where they pay me every month. Yeah. That's awesome. And then once it's paid off, they, they get the deed to the property. Yeah. And so that, that works out really well for someone that wants to buy land because they're not going to be able to get a loan. Um, do you typically look at their credit much or is it mostly based off of just the land deal? If you're getting ready to do it's a note with somebody. It's, yeah, it's just based on the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, the cool thing is that it, it kind of forces people to invest in something. So most of us, including myself, if we have large amount of cash we're sitting on, mm-hmm. we end up buying something really stupid <laughs> where yeah. if people are forced to make monthly payments towards something, at least at the end of their, you know, three to six year process, they have an asset afterwards instead of spending that same money on a car or something. Yeah. And on, on the ones you hold notes on, like, do you mind if I ask, um, how often have you had to take the property back? Like, in other words, foreclosed, like if they quit paying or something. Yeah. It's, it's happened, uh, four or five times, four or five times and, out of 70, not, not bad. Right. And in every case, um, they had paid me less than a thousand dollars. So it happened right off the bat. So they, they had made, you know, two or three payments. They realized, Hey, wait a second, this isn't for me. Uh Um, you know, I I don't want this. And then they walk away and then I relist the property. And it's not, if you just, if you just, if you're holding the note and you more or less, you know, foreclose on them or they just give it back to you one way or the other, it's not as big a deal when you're doing it with vacant land because you're not kicking somebody out of their house. So it's right. usually a much exactly. easier deal. Yeah. It's not a big deal to, oh, they're quit paying. And they don't want it. Or, some of them even enjoyed it. They went out, shot their guns, you know, threw some parties, did some camping mm-hmm. and they, they got their money's worth out of it, even though they stopped paying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not an ordeal to hold a note and have to take it back if that ends up happening, which, you know, three or four on times. On the bigger out of ones, it can get, it can get a little complicated. Uh-huh. Um, on the small ones, it's, it's pretty in, inconsequential. Yeah. Yeah. But no matter how complicated it can get way better than if there's a house sitting on it. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, so at this point, um, you're still in there. You're still in the reserves, but at this point you you are full-time, uh, in the land business, right? Yep. Yep. I have, um, two full-time employees and a handful of, uh, subcontractors and freelancers that help out. Yeah. That's awesome. So being a full-time land investor, like I always like to ask people, you, you you've been doing it for a while now doing it full time. Like, would you, would you consider yourself unemployable? I mean, could you imagine having to go back and get a, a regular J O B uh, with uh, working for somebody else? Um, so part of me likes structure. 
That is, that is one thing when you work for yourself, it's, it's hard to have the same amount of discipline and structure. I actually pay for an accountability coach. Um, she's fairly expensive and she, we do weekly call and she makes sure I'm on task with all my goals. Uh-huh. Um, but a lot of that is, um, so for going back to work, I would say I could do it if it was in an industry that was very exciting. So anything with finance, real estate, doing deals, moving mm-hmm. amounts of money around, um, I would say I could do it, but for the most part, it's, it is tough to go back, um, you know, go, have the same daily commute, sit in traffic. That would be tough to go back to. Yeah. And you know, you, you mentioned structure and everything because a lot of us, we get out of the military and we're just so tired of the structure and all of that. And we're like, I'm so, I just want to run my own show and do what I want. Most of us, most of us, it comes as a big shock that we really liked the structure and we liked yeah. being, having a training plan built or we're building a training plan and, the, and there's deadlines and everything else. And when you get out and you're running your own business and you're just looking at yourself every day, you lose a lot of that structure. I mean, it's hard to, you can't sit there and tell yourself what to do all the time. It, it takes, takes a while to adjust to that. And so right. you, you say you have a coach to accountability coach. What other things have you done to maintain that discipline and structure and, and be able to hold yourself accountable? Well, first I would, I would tell people if you have it in your system to go travel and, and you don't want the structure, leave the military and get that out of your system in that first year. Mm-hmm. And then very quickly, you're going to miss that structure and you're going to want to go back, but take that sabbatical, um, do like a, Tim Ferriss calls it a quarter life uh, retirement. Mm-hmm. So take that, get that out of your system so that when you go back to the daily grind of, of working and, and bettering yourself, you really appreciate it that much more. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the discipline, I mean, it starts with waking up. So, so my coach has been having me wake up at four 30 every morning. I go work out, do some meditation, reading, um, do some journaling. Then by six, um, my daughters start waking up. And I start helping out with the kids, getting them ready for school. And then uh, right around, so I drop them off. And then about 8.30 is when my workday starts. Wow, that's awesome. And paying for an accountability coach, that's actually worked for you? It's great. So um, the question that you just ask yourself, so I had an old coach, she was 300 a month. Um and I felt for sure I was getting more than $300 worth of extra stuff done every month. Mm-hmm. My current ones, I think she's about a thousand a month. And you just need to ask yourself, can I make an extra 12 grand a year with, by meeting with her? And if the answer is yes, then she's worth it. Right. Yeah. It's a great. We're looking at it. Yeah. Hey, so uh, back when we were talking about transition, um, you had like a, a list of lessons learned or recommended things for those, those folks getting out or they're in there on the way they transition. You want to, you want to hit, hit the highlights on some of those right now? Yeah. Let me pull up my list here. Yeah. Cause we were talking about it before we started and it's a, it's a list of like, you know, seven or eight good things right. about, you know, standby. Cause this, yeah. here it comes. Um, so I, I listened to a few of your podcasts, Joe, mm-hmm. uh, and you've interviewed some pretty impressive people. Um, but I just want to encourage everyone. You don't have to 
be a super impressive person to have a future of excellence. Um, Absolutely. So a lot of these guys you interview, they're, you know, they're these West Point special forces, Marine force recon. They've started multiple companies. Um, I feel like I'm a pretty average guy who has just made uh, some proactive choices to better myself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like anyone can, can do the same thing. So don't feel like because you've had a mediocre past, that means that your future is mediocre as right. well. Oh yeah. Um, start learning now. So while you're commuting, do your podcasts, audiobooks, even on staff duty, I would have to walk around and check the locks in the motor pool in the middle of the night. I would have podcasts and audiobooks going uh, on the speaker on my phone in my um, uniform pocket mm-hmm. as I, I walked around because there's nobody awake at that time. Sure. Um, I like Upflip. It's a U- YouTube channel about just traditional brick and mortar businesses. They talk about the numbers, talk about the margins. Huh. Um, save your money. Take small risks on a thousand dollars or less. See if it works. Um, and then don't fall into the trap that the grass is always greener, either in the, you know, post-military in the corporate world. Uh, there's been seasons where I've missed active duty and, you know, I've missed the free healthcare. I've missed the steady paycheck, mm-hmm. the, um, the predictability of it. Mm-hmm. So don't fall into the trap thinking that your life sucks. And if you just made one little change and change jobs that all of a sudden everything's better. I don't know if that's true. Right. Yeah. It's easy. Uh, last, Sh- shiny object syndrome also. Yeah. Yep. Last one, cut the video games, cut the video games, a beer, and then use your nine to five or your five to nine, um, to build a skill set that the economy values. Yeah. Where does the, uh, where does that, okay. You know, we're all, we all tend to work around nine to five and you mentioned the five to nine, you know, when you get off work, put that four hours in after work for working on your future. Where'd that five to nine come from? Um, I think I've heard it before. Do you know? Oh, it's just some silly phrase. I mean, don't they say, you know, there's some catchy phrase where they reverse the numbers and talk about, nine to five and then five to nine or something. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a great way to look at life. Like think about all we, we work nine to five or seven to four, seven to five. And as soon as we're off, it's like, well, that's our time. And then, then the TV and the beer and the video games and whatever comes flowing in and Netflix binging and all of those hours, all, most evenings that you can, you could, totally gain so much, uh, momentum and, and progress, even if you're, you know, especially if you're still in, uh, and get things going before you actually get out. So it's a, it's a lot of lost time that all of us are guilty of at times. Yep. Yeah. Even but, deploy soldiers. There's a ton of time oh, overseas. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You have a ton of time. Yep. And in today's world, I mean, with the, the internet and everything, it's like, it's crazy. The things you can accomplish and do and pull off. I mean, there are people running, successful businesses over in Bahrain or South Korea or Japan or wherever, yeah. um, you know, just, just killing it. So, it so can that, def- that was my done. motivation for, for hiring my employees because I'm in the reserves. I'm still on the hook to fight our nation's wars and this business needs to keep running if I'm gone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if you're running a business and, and you find this out, maybe when you're new to entrepreneurship, 
if the business constantly, just like we learned in the military, if, if your unit falls apart because you take a round in the grape or you're out, then you weren't doing your job. Your job as a leader, right. your job as a business owner is to make sure your business runs without you. Right. That it, yep. you, you don't want everything to rely on you. You want, in fact, you don't want most things to rely on you. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And it, sometimes as a new business, it's, it gets very tough to think that what little money you're making, now you're going to start paying somebody those profits, but you're building in capacity. You're, you're building capacity to take on more. If you're running everything yourself, you have no additional capacity to take on more business, more revenue, more anything. So you might be reducing profits um, or spending what little profits you have on employees. But um, you know, the employee thing is a great way, great thing these days too. I mean, with Upwork and people around the world available to you at your fingertips, it's, it's uh, having employees is much different than it used to be. There's, there's some absolute rock stars out there that they just want a good boss. They want to work in a team Mm -hmm. and they want to work with you and you just need to find them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've had, I mean, I've had podcast editors from, I've had three or four different podcast editors and they've all just been phenomenal. Um, And some of them I've had with me for several years and then they go on to do other things and everything's fine. And I, I hate that I have to go find another one, but I find another one. And then, you know, the next person's with me for several years. So don't get caught up in the concept that you're the only one that can do the work. You get, you got to farm that stuff out to other people to free yourself up and, and building that capacity. So anyways, we're getting close to the end of our time. I do want to give you the last word. You know, if you are talking, um, you had, you had a couple, several good bullet points about folks transitioning or thinking about getting out. What are the, what's, you know, what's your last word? What are the kind of advice you have for somebody on their way out looking to get into entrepreneurship or business? Um, so a good way to get a hold of me is through LinkedIn or Facebook, Andrew Haney. Mm-hmm. Um, look for a guy that looks like me on the screen. <laughs> if you're on the podcast, try to find it on YouTube. Um, I'll, I'll answer as long as I don't get a hundred messages, I'll try to answer every single one. All right. Awesome. Appreciate it. All right, Drew. Well, thanks for sharing your entrepreneurial success story and, uh, I'm actually broadcasting from uh, my house in uh, Margaritaville because my office in Daytona has no power and our condo took a huge hit out on the beach. And so if you're watching YouTube, wondering where my background's coming from, that'll explain that. So anyways, we ended up a whole lot better than a lot of folks on the West coast of uh, Florida did. That's for sure. So I can't complain too much, but great talking with you, Drew and uh, good luck in the, in the land business and uh, look forward to seeing your future success. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. All right. Well, these two veterans are Oscar Mike. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike. <laughs>